This is the Cantos podcast, Food for the Journey. Season 5, Episode 5. Holistic Health, Digital Health, Part 1. Hi, I'm Michael. Welcome back to the Catalyst podcast. So I hope you've been enjoying the focus for season five, where we've been looking at my first book, Guideline for Holistic Happy Life, and looking at the material for it and expanding on it a little bit and seeing how it can help you with your health in your life. So I'd like to say a huge thank you to our sponsor for the Catalyst podcast. They are the Masterclass Sessions. If you don't know what they are, just click on the link in the show notes. Oh, they're fantastic. Every month, people who are the best in the world and the best in the field of what they do, they do a masterclass on a certain topic to help you in business, help you in life. And if you send me a quick email to michael at catalyst.co.uk or click on social media and comment below something you like about the episode, you can be entered into our draw. And every month, we are gifting, the masterclass are gifting, a complete free membership for 12 months. So you can watch all of the recordings, visit all of the sessions for 12 months, completely free. So if you like that to be you, just click on the link in the show notes. And if you've been listening to previous episodes, you'll know there's another uh, competition. There's a second competition, which is if you'd like to receive a copy of my brand new book, Loving Leadership, if you do the same thing, you'll be entered into a draw and you get a chance to get a free copy. And I can see it here in front of me. I have got it, as I'm recording this for you now, in front of me. I can see it. It looks amazing. It's actually out. It's out right now. You can buy it. You can promote it, whatever you want to do. Um, just click on the link in the show notes. You can buy it from the publishers, Austin McCauley, or you can buy it from Amazon or contact me. And I'm just so excited for that because it's the best thing I've ever written in 15 years. So as I'm making this episode for you today, a little bit under weather, got the snuffles a little bit, so I'll, I'll do my best uh, for you. So in this episode, we're looking at digital health. And if you've never read the book, you've never even familiar with the phrase digital health, don't worry about it. We're going to look at what that actually is as a bit of a definition. Then I'm going to go into what I put in the book in relation to digital health, the five aspects to consider. And then I'm going to expand on it with three more things that I'd suggest you take the time to think about in relation to your digital health and give you a little top tip at the end to kind of help. So what's digital health? I've had people say this to me many, many times over the last five years. What's that? What's digital health? Do you mean like social media? Like what's that all about? And when I was writing it, um, I thought it was pretty obvious what it was. And now, especially during the COVID pandemic and with so much of what we've been doing online, people kind of, they get it now. They realise it's more of a thing. So what is it? Well, it's the impact that digital technologies, not just social media or online, but things like online technologies, 3D printing, sensors, drones, artificial technology. It's basically tech that can talk to other parts of tech and it's in a digital format. The impact that that's having positively and negatively on our bodies and in our lives. So it could you think about, well, what kind of information are you taking in? Just like in your body, and we talked about the food that you're you're eating or the workouts that you're doing, the impact on the body. So it's the same thing with digital information that you're taking in. And who are you online? That's another thing to think about. So just like you might be, I don't know, somebody who works in an office and then you go to a CrossFit class and you're a completely different person or you're the same person, you know, you go to a Zumba class or, you know, just like you change your outfit, you might be a completely different person when you're working out or when you're outside to the person you are when you're in your work. Or you might say, no, I'm pretty much me. 
this is me all the way through. Whether I'm doing my workout or whether I'm with my family or whether I'm running my business, I'm me all the way through. So it's the same thing in relation to online. Are you a completely different person online? The comments you're putting, the content you uploaded, is it completely the same as you offline or is it a bit different? So there's way, way more to this than the first thing which people usually mention to me is, oh, social media, and the impact it's having on us, social media, social media. Social media is part of it, absolutely, but there's way more to it. So again, if you're talking to me about digital health and like, what's that? Rather than tell them all that, just say, well, you know, Zoom fatigue. When you've been on Zoom too long, you just feel like, oh, they're like, yeah, that's now a part of it. <laughs> so there are five aspects that I talk about in the book in relation to considering how to look after this part of our health, which is it's pretty new. It's only been around for a few decades in relation to how long humans have been around. So there's putting out positivity, making healthy choices, helping others, thinking and acting big, and then thinking about, well, where are you going and what's it all adding up to? So let's look at the first one, putting out positivity. <laughs> there's never been a more easy and or accessible way to express ourselves than through digital technology. You can go on social media or go on a website or go on a platform and just type all sorts of stuff. And the first thing that I thought about in relation to our health is, are we doing things that put out positivity towards ourselves and towards others? And by positivity, I just mean a generic kind of way of thinking. Is it helping or is it harming? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? You know, so if you were eating a certain food, is it going to, you know, add health to your body or is it going to take away? And most people know what they're talking about. They say, well, it depends, doesn't it? It depends on the situation, depends on the context, it depends on the timing, on all sorts of things. But that's the first thing that I suggested that we always think about. Is this something, video, a picture, an image, that's going to, someone's going to look at that and go, I like that. You know, is this, you see all sorts of people, say on YouTube, and they make this amazing content. And it's totally free. And they just put it out because they're just helping. There's, there's also, you get people who are very good in terms of coding. And they have these things called open source platforms. And people put out questions. And they think, oh, I, I need help with this. I can't solve it. They have an issue. And people will jump in on these forums and say, have you tried this? Consider this. Yeah, I've been working on this. How about this? And they people have actually created massive solutions to global problems just through global forums when they're, they're just putting out their own little spin on things or they've got all this knowledge and they'll just say, oh, you need to make sure you do this or I've been working on this for you and I've uploaded my take on it. So that's a really good example of people coming together, putting out positivity online, something where a person might have a problem and they can't solve it on their own and we can come together and solve it together. I think that's really cool. So that's the first thing to think about, the content we're putting out and also the content we're, we're ingesting or <laughs> taking in. Is it positive? Second one is about making healthy choices. So again, the connotations or the semantics of the word healthy and what it means to you is very, very important because what I define as a healthy choice, you might say, no, no, that's completely different. I don't think that's healthy at all. So as you know, with all this content in, in this podcast, it's never for me to tell you what to do. But it is important to think about guidelines and think about principles about healthy choices. So for example... So many people in relation to their phone, they say to me, well, I'm on my phone too much. And I go, okay. And they say, well, what help with that? And I say, well, what do you mean by that? And they say, well, and they you know, eventually tease it out. And most people say, I want to spend less time on my phone. I say, okay, you have a choice with that. The point I want to make on this is we have a choice with digital technology. And it's deeper than just a choice of whether you engage on it or not, whether you're on social media or not, whether you're on your phone or you abstain from it. 
I don't think that's enough to just abstain from technology or time away from it. That is good, by the way. Just like you make a healthy choice, you abstain from eating chocolate all week, then you might have some on the weekend. That's cool. But I think I want to make the point that there's deeper than that. We always have a choice with anything, even if it's a choice in how we respond to it and think about it. So when, and the second part about making healthy choices, something I want you to consider, is you always have a choice. Always have a choice in relation to anything about your health. So it's just something to think about that. Are you making healthy choices? Are you aware of all the choices that you have in relation to digital and technology? Do you have to be on your phone? Do you have to be engaging with this technology? Could you take a break from it? Could you not take a break from it, but realize that you have more choice about the sites that you visit or the social media you choose to engage in? Are the choices adding up to something that's going to help you or it's going to harm you? Whatever. And then you choose what that would mean to you. So it's about empowering yourself to, to say, I have a choice here. I can make healthy choices online, just like as I can offline. The third aspect that I'm really excited about is helping others. The potential that digital technology brings to allow us to help other people. Here's a perfect example is this podcast. This is a piece of digital technology. I record a podcast, put it out into the world, and you can listen to it, can't you? I'm not with you. <laughs> I'm with you in spirit. I'm not with you physically, but you can hear my voice. So that's a perfect example of a digital technology where I thought, I want to help people and I want to put out some material that can help people. How can I do that? Well, I can only be in one place at once, so that's not good, is it? Because it's always going to be capped. But if I make something as a little digital asset, a little piece of digital tech, I can put that into lots of different places and that can outlast the present moment. Someone can listen to it from weeks ago or months ago. Oh, I like that. I'm going to carry on doing that. And as you know, we're as I record this, this is the 50th episode in English, because we've done five in Spanish as well. This is the 50th episode in English where I've put out something to try and help people, try and help you. Very proud of that. And that's a really cool thing. You can help people in a way that you couldn't just do if it was you in the room on your own. You know? So think back to those people I've mentioned when they're doing open source programming. They're helping each other. They're helping each other all over the world. It's really, really cool. So the, be open to potential that you have to help others. You can see this example, very simple. During the COVID pandemic, we personal trainers took their classes online and they're helping people through Zoom or Teams. It's a perfect example, using the technology and going, right, I don't need to be in somebody's bedroom or the living room, but the camera can be, and then they can watch me and we can all engage in it together. I think the next logical aspect to that is what I call thinking and acting big. And I'd like to give you a book recommendation that to me is one of the best books that I've read and engaged with the material to educate myself in relation to digital technology and what the future can look like. The book is called The Future is Faster Than You Think by Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler. It's actually the third in a series of books, if you like the books. And the point that it makes is it's looking at the technologies that's going that are going to be around the next 10 years. It's very exciting, very strange, interesting ideas. But these are people who are actually engaged in the technology, either making it themselves or working with it. And <laughs> if you're anything like me, when you read it, you go through a few stages. The first is, oh, wow, that's woo, that's interesting. So you're a bit overwhelmed by it. The second stage is you think, that's a bit scary, that. I don't know what I think about that. Then the third stage is you start to think, no, actually, I can see the benefits of that. And then the fourth stage I found was you get really excited for it. You think, wow, that's really cool. Just think about, you know, if somebody's trying to tell you 10 years ago about all the things you'd be able to do on your phone. You think, hmm, 
and you go through those four stages and by the end of it you think, yeah, I want to do that. That's really cool. So it talks about all the different technologies, but then equally it talks about all the different business sectors and how they're going to be what they call disrupted and altered and changed through this digital technology and the impacts it's going to have on our health and on our environment and on our businesses. So in terms of thinking, acting big, thinking how's this going to impact lots of people or where's this all adding up to? What do the next hundred years look like? I'd argue rather than just going on our own speculations or own ideas and go, well, I think it's a good thing or I don't know what's going to happen. Just look at the people who are actually making the stuff. There's technology that's being made right now. We just don't talk about it. And some of it is incredible and life-altering. So the final aspect that I wanted us to consider in relation to digital technology and about in the book is where, where are you going? What's it all adding up to? Do you ever think about that? All the tweets, all the likes, all the comments, all the shares, all the content that you make, all the things that you share in WhatsApp or wherever. What's it adding up to? You might think, what do you mean? It's not adding up to anything. I'm just engaging. I'm just living my life. Okay, that's fine. But I make the point that difference now in relation to our health is we leave footprints, don't we, online. If you make a content piece or if you do something, it can be found years later. As a positive and negative aspect to it, but it can add up to something good. So, for example, if you had a guiding principle said, I just want everything to put out to be funny, then great, you're adding up to making people laugh <laughs> and, and adding up to the joy in the world, and that's really cool. Now, you might not have an answer to that, but it's just something to think about, just like in all other aspects of your health. Every time you eat something, it's adding up to something, isn't it? In your body. Every time you don't eat something, every time you drink something, every time you move your body, every time you don't move your body, every time you meditate, every time you engage with somebody socially, it's adding up to either helping you or hurting you or somebody else. You might not know what it's adding up to. You might think, I don't really know the the result of that, but I guess it's doing something. Think about it. Really think about it. Because like we said in the second point, you've got choice today. You've got loads of choice, way more choice than you realise. And your choices will add up to something and you can make that choice what direction you want that to go in. So I wanted to expand on that because if you've never read the book or if you think, okay, I've already read the book, that, that's fine. But let's go deeper. What have I learned in this last kind of five years? Massive impacts, uh, massive technology improvements and changes. Well, I want to give you three things to consider for your digital health. This is the first one. Time expectations. We now live in a time where depending on where you live in the world, a lot of people have access to broadband internet super quick. You can download something in seconds. You don't even have to download things anymore. You stream them. That's another massive change. As long as we're connected to the internet, you don't even have to physically download or purchase something. You can stream it. You can access it almost, almost instantaneously. Now, what does that do to our expectations of ourselves and of our lives and our relationships? Because chronological time, seconds, minutes, hours, weeks, months, years, decades, that's not changed. A second's still a second. It still takes nine months on average to, to for a baby to develop. It still takes, I don't know, three to four years for a university degree. It still takes a certain amount of time to do anything, right? So I'd make the point that that's having an impact on yours and mine, our expectations of time, especially in relation to relationships. How long does it take to form a really good relationship? It takes time. It's not instantaneous. You might be able to swipe right on a Tinder profile and, and book a date with somebody, but when you actually go on that date, you can't have instantaneous results. And that's something I think is very, very important. It's not a bad or a good thing, but it's something that's a very real thing that's never really been an issue before, before digital technology. So I'm going to say it again. Consider your expectations of time. If you're waiting for a bus, 
still takes time for the bus to arrive, doesn't it? Where are you waiting? Where are you having to wait in your life? Waiting's a part of life. It's a part of health. Can't be rushed. If you eat a piece of food, you cannot instantaneously digest it. It takes time. So that's something to just think about. What are your expectations of time of other people? Are you expecting instantaneous results from them? You tell them something, so you want a result. You send the email, so you want a result. I would make the point we have to have two. We can expect technology to be pretty quick. I like to allow people to be slow <laughs> rather than the other way around. You know, people are not a website landing page. They're a real person. So that's the first thing. It has fundamentally shifted and will continue to impact our expectations of time. The second one is algorithms and echo chambers. So if you go on YouTube, for example, and you watch a video on dogs, like I like to do, guess what? The algorithm's going to remember that and it's going to go, right, well, we need to show Mike more videos of dogs because he likes his dogs. And then before you know it, all I've got on my YouTube feed are dogs. The danger of that and what's called an echo chamber where you're just surrounded by things that are just echoing back to you what you want is, and I've seen this and I've heard this from so many, this is the number one thing that people tell me. It's a danger of self-obsession. All we're doing or could do in that case is engaging with what we already know, what we already like, and we're being fed more of what we know and what we like. Now, again, is that a bad thing? Not necessarily. But is that the fullness of life? No. No, it's not. And that's something that I, in my work, try and do a lot for myself in relation to my health, in relation to other people and helping them, is to consider the complete opposite. So if you go on your, try this today, go on your YouTube feed and just type in some complete random. So if you like dogs, look at cats, look at tortoises. <laughs> if you're learning Spanish like I am, look at Japanese. Just the ability to go back to that thing I said before about making healthy choices and knowing how much choice you have, it stops us from just thinking that life is just our preferences and our tiny little thing that we want. Because we come offline, we go out into the real world, and guess what? It's surrounded by people that don't care about dogs and that don't particularly like you or agree with you. We've got to be able to handle that. So algorithms and echo chambers, just be aware of that. The danger of self-obsession, we just engage with what we like all the time. That's not full life. It's like the equivalent if you go to the gym, it's just doing your favourite lift all the time or your favourite class all the time. It's not going to give you the results that you want. And the final one is what I call overstimulation and destimulation. So the danger of technology, especially digital technology online, is it overstimulates us. We are bombarded with pictures, images, adverts all the time. It overstimulates our body and our brain. Can't handle it. It's just way too much information. And a lot of people I know like to listen to this podcast to help calm down. Just calm them down because we're all so overstimulated by information. So I would make the point that something really good you can do for your digital health is to destimulate yourself. I was listening to an interview of all people, it's Hugh Jackman, the Australian actor, and he said there's something in Australian culture where people used to just have the ability to go disappear and get lost for a few days. <laughs> he said, where's Hugh? Ah, he's, he's gone. He'll be back in a, in a bit. I like that. I like that ability to say we can disappear from online for a bit. We can go get lost. There's no compulsion. That's a very important thing. There's no compulsion. I read a really fantastic quote when I was reading the Quran. And it said, there's no compulsion in Islam. And what it meant by that was saying, you don't have to do this stuff. It's about the principles. It's about this. You've got to engage this. But you don't have to do this exactly like this. And oh, I thought, that's really interesting, that. And I think it's the same thing with this. We don't have to engage with anything. So before, about taking breaks from our phone, that's the first aspect to it. But imagine that. Imagine if you just took a break from your phone for a day, if you could, if you wanted to, or from social media for the weekend. What would that do for you? 
Would it help you to de-stimulate yourself, to allow your brain to calm down? And the final thing I wanted to say on this is, and this is something we're going to expand in the next episode, is your relationship with your phone is probably the most important relationship you're going to have (laughs) outside of with yourself and your partner. Your relationship with your phone, an external thing that's not in your body, but it is part of so many parts of our lives. From our online banking to how we track our steps to who we talk to online. So here's a quick tip for you, because people say to me, come on, Mike, give me something that can help me. And I always say, okay, well, does your phone sleep with you? And they say, what do you mean? I said, well, does it sleep in the same room as you, in your bedroom? And they always say, yeah, yeah, of course it does. It's my alarm. Okay, well, put it outside. Put it in the hallway, plug it in. Trust me, you'll still hear it if it's your alarm on your phone. I've done this for six years. Never sleep in the same room as my phone. Take a break from it. I don't need my phone to watch me sleep. Now, you might do that to track sleep, fine. But just try it. Try it for a full week because... Even if your phone's in the room, you're thinking, I might just go on social media, I might just check that email, I might just... Remove that. Remove it, take it out. Take it out for a bit. Just like you charge your phone, you're charging your brain. Just try it. It's always controversial that some people say, oh, I can't do that. Like I said before, about algorithms and echo chambers. Challenge yourself, do something completely different. You never know, it might help. (laughs) So I hope that's been helpful for you to give you some food for thought in relation to what digital health actually is. Hopefully you can see, yep, this is a part of life, whether we like it or not for modern life. Some of the different aspects to consider, but then some deeper things about time expectations, algorithms and echo chambers, overstimulation, de-stimulation. And in the second part, we're going to go into more depth. I'd like to give you some strategies and kind of guiding principles that I've learned have worked for me as I've run a business over the last few years. And so there's a lot there, yeah. But like I said before, allow it to just sit, take a break from it. You know, there's a lot there to think about and to ponder while you go off and get lost for a few days. So until we talk again, I'd like to take something from today and go, yeah, do you know what? I ain't thought about that. Or I'm going to go watch a video about German or cats (laughs) and just try something. Try the phone outside the bedroom. See if it helps have a positive impact on your digital health. And even if you don't, even if you carry on doing exactly what you're doing, quite happy with it. That's fine. Just know that somewhere right now somebody loves you very very much okay take care and speak soon so today's random positive fact i love this researchers at southampton and edinburgh university have used digital technology 3d printers to create little mini robot jellyfish and they have been using these to help to uh, observe and restore delicate parts of coral reefs and protect the environment. How cool is that?